I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You can submit your claim to Diamond and Diamond, and I because I had seen that's what they say. I had seen like five billboards on our that's walk really um, from home. Yeah, from I the buy all those yesterday. Okay, <laughs> right on, sweet. All right. So it worked. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Especially because there's like eighteen thousand lawyers on the billboard. I was like, that's a lot of lawyers. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be like an army kind of thing. <laughs> well, you know what? It fucking worked. It worked. <laughs> uh, okay, we let's get this started. Um, we are now rolling. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was the smoothest. This is the that was the <laughs> smoothest that we've ever entered the show. I feel like we should really open with that. So, um, uh, yes. right, well, how about this? How about this, Jordan? Uh, you are gay. Yeah. <laughs> there Great we go. Story. Why is that? Why is that funny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Jeremy. Come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Uh, but yeah, so you you are here to talk to us about. <laughs> what it's like here, to let be me gay, tr- let right? me try. Actually, Brian told me I'm here to experiment with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This is an intervention. <laughs> I was hired for this. <laughs> yeah. We're here to test your theory that you are only 4% gay. Yeah, was it 4%? It's like a 1 at a, a 1. Uh, I think I moved a little bit further on up Kin- on the Kinsey scale. Kinsey scale. Yeah. So what you're happened? like uh, 11% uh, maybe? Just like, uh, That's a lot. 11? What happened? I don't know. What did happen? You, you made out with a dude at a yeah. party and then... Yeah. Because we talked about the Kinsey, is it the Kinsey? Kinsey? Kinsey. Kinsey scale. We talked about that before you made out with that guy. Yeah. And then that happened. Right. Right, right, right. So then you were like, so you either. And I was like, what's happening? I feel like once you do that, if you, if you establish your place on the Kinsey scale and then you have that experience, you're probably not going to stay in the same place. You're either going to slide further up or slide further down. Mm. So like positive, like where was that experience in terms oh, of like positive wait, whoa, whoa. Are we, and this, negative. This is what yeah, we're yeah, making this, this episode story. about now? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, this no, no, is no. secretly about This is you. an intervention. <laughs> this is for the other. This is for, I have another podcast that I host with my wife called Turn Me On Podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go turn in, tune in and turn on. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it. I, I think about it every once in a while and like talked about it a couple times, you know, <laughs> about uh, like what would happen if, if there was me and one of my partners and... Someone else around and well, Jordan, where are you on the Kinsey scale? Uh, probably almost the way. I don't know. I mean, I, I when you were describing like how you feel about guys, I sort of was like, that's kind of how I, I, feel about I kind of girls. feel that way about girls, but like I don't. Yeah, right. Once you go like from here down, I'd be like, no, right? Because mm-hmm. is it? Because I'm wondering. Because is there a, is there a point on the Kinsey scale where it's like, okay, you're basically like, there's no turning back from here, but you could still push on to like another extreme. Yeah. Well, I have like a lot of 
gay friends who say like, oh, I like I can name like five or six guys. They're like, oh, I slept with a girl this year, and I was like, oh, right. so you're bisexual. They're like, nah, I just like it. I'm like. Interesting, <laughs> super, yeah. super. And they're like, "Yeah, I'm 100 percent gay. I just like it." And I was but like, just a just a girl, or like a girl yeah, with a like girl. a guy involved as well. Oh, oh, they yeah. just like bang a girl. They huh. like it. They're like, it's good variety. I was like, but then that yeah, technically is. is not gay. Well, you know what? I think we just got to stop it, putting labels. to it Yeah, all. because it's like because it, it's like, that's like if I eat if I'm a vegetarian and then someone goes, "Oh, we ate meat that one day," <laughs> and then it's like, really "Are you no longer meat. a vegetarian?" Here's the thing. Sexuality is a, a is a fucking fluid scale, and you do. There is no like set standard thing. People move on that scale, but sure. everyone everyone just wants to be like, well, no, but like you can't, you can't, you can only be one or the other, which yeah. is fucking bullshit. What's your label? Yeah, no, th- there's no such thing. Like, Get a label maker, <laughs> yeah. print it out, yeah. and put it on you, your forehead. Sometimes you just sometimes fucking you end up with a dick in your mouth, and you just go and and like sometimes it doesn't. That just does do. not make you gay. I, like I, this is like your autobiography title. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just end up with a dick in your mouth. So <laughs> speaking <laughs> of dicks and mouths, I think it's I think it's very important that we clarify here that uh, since this is Sick Boy Podcast and we're talking about what it's like to be sick. Um, uh, Jordan, how how did you end up with this illness of being gay? <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, that's, There's that's, a lot of people that are like nodding yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah Tell our, us about all, that. All of yeah. our Southern Belt dude, yeah. dude, listeners dude, are like, hmm. That yes, was actually, <laughs> from the like, almost from the beginning of doing this podcast, <laughs> when we were talking about, okay, well, who are we going to interview on the show? And we have a friend of ours who is an absolute riot of a guy. Uh, and he's gay and we were like, oh, we should do an episode that's like almost like a satire of people who think that way Yeah, of going, let's sit down uh, with our friend and go, okay, so tell us like, when did you catch it yeah, like, yeah, right. and make yeah. like this whole like satire piece. But then we were like, no, nah. people, it's, it's a, it, it, you can't see our faces. They, people yeah, won't get it. Yeah. But, uh, w- just to clarify, that is not the, that's not what we're going for here. Um, you, when you wrote in to talk to us, you, you, you have colitis. Yeah. You're a gay man with colitis. That's got a fucking combination. (laughs) Um, and then, but on top of that, more so you, you, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you wanted to talk about, um, just the, like the challenges that you have faced in the 21st century of coming into your own as a gay male. Um, and those challenges, whether they be, you know, mental or physical, what have you, I guess is what we're going to kind of dive into today. Yeah. I Um, think like the, there's so many different areas that I, that I touched on. I wrote an article, um, it was called to be a gay man is to be a chameleon. And it was really, it was received really well. Um, and I've done a bunch of media about it since then. Didn't but, Rosie O'Donnell do something with it? She yeah. like retweeted or some yeah. shit. That was a big moment. What's <laughs> so like, what is the article? What was the, because I was, there's kind of like this thing where if you went up to a girl and you were like, I know what it's like to be a woman. She'd be like, no, you don't. Right. And same with mm-hmm. like a minority or an overweight person. You're just kind of guessing, uh, because you don't really understand. You don't live it. You don't know like the nuances of it. And so I kept telling people, like, you don't know what it's like to be a gay man. And, and they'd say, oh, it's, you know, it's good for gay guys now. And I would, and it, it, it's better. Uh, it's not where it needs to be. But I would talk about different areas of my life when I go to the doctor. Um, I wrote about what this really, mo- this one moment that really touched me. I went to a Raptors game. And you guys know that, like, kiss cam? Yeah. yeah, yeah, comes yeah, up. yeah. <clears throat> I was at a Raptors game. And, like, I can take a joke better than anyone, like, someone makes an HIV joke about a gay guy, like, I'm the first one to laugh if it's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's not, I'm like, oh. Yeah, exactly, because it's It's subjective. a risky endeavor. Like, if yeah. it's funny, <laughs> I will laugh. Yeah, <laughs> so I was at a Raptors game with a friend, and they had the kiss cam, and 
uh, it was like uh, like a straight couple would come up and then everyone would like cheer and they'd kiss. And then it was like a couple straight couples, then two girls. And obviously like all the guys went crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it went to these two guys and they were sitting there and they were kind of like maybe like 40s, like blue collar type guys. And I was sitting with my friend and the entire like ACC um, here like erupted into laughter. It's like 18,000 people just like erupted right. into laughter. And so the guys kind of like got a little awkward and then it just like panned off. Mm-hmm. And I went to get a drink because I just felt like I was like really affected by it. Um, because sometimes it, yeah. even just hearing you say that right yeah. there just made me like. Uh, like it just took me back. I was like, Oh yeah. Cause it's fuck. like this massive crowd of people doesn't view that as like an, uh, like a normalized form of affection that yeah. should happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's so hilarious that to make two men would be in love. Yeah. Right? right. And I think what makes it, I think where the, where people wouldn't find the humor there where, and, and in a way where they're not really realizing that it's kind of hurtful is that it's like, Oh, it's totally it's subconscious. Too, blue collar dudes that like wouldn't you know it's like to my dad and some other guy like i could never picture my dad kissing a guy you but, know what i mean but, but they could be husbands the flip side exactly yeah, the flip right. side of that is like there is no image to somebody who's gay that's, i mean that's like, right. that, like that i mean you know gay isn't like you know a stereotype of like a flamboyant no. person with like you know crazy hair and certain types of clothes which is you know what we what society typically attributes. Although to Jordan is sitting here dressed completely yeah, as a like, clown. No one can see that. <laughs> uh, it's c- c- crazy hair, big like red nose, and, uh, those huge boots, those huge shoes with polka dots. I, I um, find the other thing that's interesting about that, though, is you say like it shows two women and they, they cheer. Yeah. But even in that, there's something hyper sexualized about that. Yeah. And they're, and they're not actually applauding the flat, the fact that that's a, a real relationship too. It's a right. sexual fantasy for a lot of mm-hmm. straight men. Right. Who are, mm-hmm cheering that on rather than saying oh yeah that's a beautiful loving relationship yeah it's so great that they're gonna kiss each other so how did that affect you like what you what you walked away from that and i just felt like my yeah it was my face went really hot and red and that evening i went back home and i opened a word document and i started citing examples from my life of what it's like to be a gay man but i would cite more the examples that people wouldn't realize um so i would talk about when i go to the doctor um Doctors don't know how to talk to you about sex, right. um, gay sex. They will pass judgment. Um, I was mentioning earlier that I had to report a doctor to the college like uh, a couple weeks ago because he was like questioning my lifestyle, like even 2017. Or like I've had a flu a couple times and the doctor's really, really quick to like expedite an HIV test. Um, oh, or wow. like when you go in a cab, the cab driver assumes for the most part, that you're straight. And a lot of the cab drivers will come from like Middle Eastern countries. And I've been sitting in the back seat and they'll see like a gay guy and they'll just go off. Um, Whoa, really? Like, like very openly, just just like like you are wrong kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, and and just like, there's a million, like if you read the article, there's a bunch of examples I cite, but it's basically like the small things, you know, walking late at night. Um, I don't think I'm like, extremely you wouldn't know always but sometimes you would um you have those moments where you kind of uh walk a little bit straighter and think about your clothes think about like what you're wearing because someone's paid the price do you mean like straight like sexually straight or you mean like you walk more upright i walk more like uh like puffing of chest kind of masculine right like you're trying to portray like 
like, don't fuck a, with like me. Or like, don't don't, don't think I'm gay. Right. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I know someone who's been attacked. So mm-hmm. you just always have that in your the paranoia in your head, like oh, like yeah. a woman walking in late at night. Same yeah. same mm-hmm. kind of idea. Um, so there's there's <laughs> different things. Or like when I have business meetings because I own a business. If it's if I can see the guys really you know hyper masculine straight type guys, I will lower my voice. That's a big thing that my friends say they all do mm. because you just don't want them to catch on and right. you don't want to make them uncomfortable. Wow. Oh. So that chameleon like nature is like really kind of coming out now. Like the idea that you are trying to like shift your shapes all of the time to try and like right. conform to how you feel society in different situations would rather you be to right. get to have like a smooth interaction rather than you just being able to be exactly yeah, and it's like they want you to, and our culture does it the worst, is they want you to be as straight acting as possible. Right. right. Like, what I, I start the article saying every baby that's born is heterosexual. Every time a baby's born, it's, oh, they're going to break a lot of girls' hearts. Yeah, right. They will paint right. the baby's right. crib blue, always going to like sports. Mm-hmm. It just sets up the disappointment mm-hmm. of that it's not this. Right. And there's a lot of, like, gay guys will try to act as straight as possible, uh, just to kind of like a chameleon to try to fit in. Yeah. So you write this article and it, it strikes a chord with quite a, a few people. What were some of the things that um, you heard? What was some of like the outpouring of, of sort of contact and support that you got from from writing that article? So I wrote it. I, I've written a lot of articles. Like I've been writing for about 10 years. I didn't think much of it. I was like, you know, this will strike a chord with my inner circle. And in 48 hours, I probably had like over 300 emails, like all around the world. Holy fuck. Um, You know, 58 year old guy who just came out, a straight guy who can finally understand (laughs) what his brother's talking about because he thought his brother was just being like, you know, a victim. Right. Um, Complex, like about it. And so I had a lot of really, yeah, people started opening up to me about like their own pain um, and how they had kind of hidden it in different areas and and yeah it was really a powerful experience it was so funny because you like as as a straight guy hear about um uh like gay marriage is legalized and there's step towards steps made towards making uh this world a more equal place to live in there's amazing support at pride parades but then you think of those individual smaller moments that take place in your life that i would never be aware of because yeah. obviously I don't spend my life living in your shoes and and I can't help but think of like all of these other marginalized groups when they say like oh, you can't understand you can't understand what it's like it's all these small moments where you're like fuck yeah. like now and, I get it yeah. and you probably like the thing is with change that happens with like it, social movements like it takes generations for things to really to really change like you know, obviously things get, like you said, get, they're better. Like they're not like they were in the eighties or when fucking HIV became a thing. And mm-hmm. that, and then it was like, you know, you were like, don't come near me if you're gay. Um, yeah, dude, which you, is fucking, you know what crazy. fucking blows my mind <clears throat> the other day, uh, the other day, like a couple months ago, I, I watched Eddie, Eddie Mur- Murphy's, um, uh, fuck. What oh, was it? Uh, um, raw. Is that raw. what it's called? Dude. Yeah. Raw. And in the first like ten minutes of that stand-up special, he makes this like faggot joke, and everyone is just dying laughing. Right. And I'm just like, dude, and like that stand-up special is considered, you know, like legendary. It's like one of the best stand-up specials of all time. 
Um, and, you know, there are some very fucking funny moments in it. But holy shit, a moment of like where I, I felt so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And it was just so wrong. And you're not yet, gay. But different. <laughs> yeah. Ish. Dude, like, you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not the best example. But, uh, but yeah, like it was no just so you fucked up. Yeah. You know? but, what I, but, what I mean, but what I mean by that is that, okay, so change starts to take effect over time. So let's say like from like. Let's say, like, taking the example of comparing, like, the 80s versus now. Like, there's been this progression. It's gotten better. Like you said, it's not where it needs to be. But, you know, change on those, like, large social scales, as, like, generations start to die out and new generations spring up, like, you, it starts to, like, slide on this scale, hopefully. It seems like it's going in that direction. So, you know, like, our generation, for the most part, uh, is way is way more, like, initially okay comfortable and fine with all of that not exclusively of course but much more than like our parents generation and then and then as our generation gets older and we spawn a new generation then like there's that trickle down effect into that and it's more prevalent even in the next generation and like yeah that's where these social changes they take fucking forever yes i i see what you're saying and i totally believed that until until that shit went down in Charlottesville, where it was just like people felt comfortable with coming out with their like their fucking hatred mm-hmm. and they came out in droves. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought I knew that there were some fucking issues and that the political climate was a bit fucked up. But I didn't man, I didn't realize that there was this many fucking people. And when they came out and just like made themselves fucking known, it was like, <sighs> Wow. But compare that to like all the amazing like pride events all over the world. Yeah. Like that's a whole lot of fucking more support than. Uh, Yeah. I I actually. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I actually just got a Harvey Milk tattoo. um, Oh, sweet. Because I was watching this documentary. It's like his assassination date. I just got it over here. Is it his portrait on your entire back? (laughs) Because that would be fucking rad. (laughs) And it's actually just Sean Penn, right? It was Sean Penn. Yeah. It's just Sean Penn's face. Yeah. Um, I was watching the documentary and we're talking about that, like how progress is so slow. Mm. And I was like watching this documentary and he's talking about. Uh, this is 40 plus years ago. He's talking about people need to come out. Everyone needs to come out mm. uh, because if everyone comes out, then the visibility will, will get rid of a lot of this um, mm. stigma around being gay. But in the documentary, they interview people who talk about what it's like at their workplace, you know, being judged at their workplace with their partners and stuff. And I'm just sitting there and it's just a reminder of how slow the progress is because some of the elements when I'm listening to it, I'm going, <clears throat> oh, that's this guy. That's my friend. That's this. Mm. And it's 40 plus years later. Yeah. And, if, and if it, for anybody yeah. who doesn't know who Harvey Milk is, he was a politician in San Francisco, right? Back yep. in the 80s? Uh, se- late 70s. 70s, late 70s who yeah. was assassinated. He was like the first openly gay, one of uh, the first, first openly, openly gay, gay yeah. politicians in the US. So like yeah. probably in lots of places. There's an amazing movie called Milk. You should yeah. just fucking watch it. Yeah. Uh, what was your coming out process like? Uh, so I had a like dialing back to my childhood, I had a pretty painful experience. Uh, A lot of the trauma that I had growing up gay and being teased about it, uh, I was like that fine line between like being a garrulous kid, but being also flamboyant, Uh, really extroverted, loud, um, until you know that you shouldn't be yourself, till the social social cues start coming towards you. So, you know, when you're like six or seven and your parents are like, this is funny. And then you get into <laughs> school and then people give you social cues like, oh, they're that's like, hey, your wrist is cocked. You, you, you yeah, yeah, you're down. a little yeah. bit lispy and like all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I used to get teased a lot. My parents used to have to visit the school uh, 
to basically like deal with it constantly. Right. Um, and so that was through my teens. Um, and I had a different experience realizing, realizing I'm gay than my friends. My friends will say they knew since birth. Mine was sort of like, I had girlfriends when I was like 14 ish. Good for them. Good memories. Since yeah. birth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. right the word. yeah. As and soon as I came out. Hello. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, girl, you come out you look up at your mom and you're like, hey, girl. You're like, oh, vagina, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, look at this. Uh, Keep um, playing in those stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so, I, so I had girlfriends and then it was almost like a, it's a weird analogy, but it's almost like a, a cloud came in. And at one point I was like 50-50 and then the cloud just overtook and I was yeah. like 100%. By the time I was like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, had a lot of like sexual experiences with like classmates uh, like when people are just like experimenting when they're mm-hmm. younger. Uh, and then when I was 19, I was on a website called Face Party. I don't even know if it exists anymore. <laughs> Face Party. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. It was like before Facebook. Oh, but it's I think like, it was like right around the same time. It's like was it social for, media? For gays only? It was like a hook, like a dating site. I don't okay. know if it was for gays only. Um, just a general hookup. Yeah. Like and dating. I messaged a guy with no picture. How old are you? 31. Okay. So it's right. like a yeah. plenty of fish type deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I messaged a guy with no picture. Um, I didn't have a picture up because we were both closeted. And uh, basically we met and it was just like in that that magical spark fluorescent moment when you yeah. just meet someone and you're, you just know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we dated for five years, but the majority of the relationship, we were closeted. Pretty much Whoa. the whole thing. Wow. Um, yeah. And so from that was from 19 till 24. Um, or actually around probably 23. How did, and was that difficult to like have him around your family and people like that did did you bring him around yeah so he was kind of my best friend did you guys play Uh, a lot of video games (laughs) yes do each other do you watch master of none no no but i've heard about it there's like a really awesome episode where uh one of aziz ansari's uh best friends uh is uh is gay and she's he the the episode revolves around every thanksgiving where he would always go to her house for thanksgiving every year and like as it progressed, it would like jump forward like four or five years each time it, they came back to Thanksgiving and like progressively she's like changing and being more like dressing differently. And then she's got her best friend who comes over for dinner and it's like her mom is in denial, but also knows like and it's this is like really it's like unspoken. Yeah, kind of it's thing. this yeah. Is a really like sweet tale of like the parent, the parent child relationship <laughs> of like her eventually being like deal with it mom like it was it's really it's really fucking sweet there'd probably be a lot of perks to that maybe not so much as like a 19 to 24 year old but like if you were a little bit younger and you were just having your best friend sleep over all the time yeah yeah my parents would never let oh yeah my girl friend oh sleep yeah over. dude but i could have banged so many dudes <laughs> yeah growing up i <laughs> love the sleepovers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you still you still can. got it going yeah. on yeah bridey uh, i'm just gonna have a, i'm just gonna have a sleepover at my best friend's house who's your best friend uh his name jordan. is jordan and uh we jock? met his on- name is jock. jock no chuck dude chuck oh, i chuck. would never fuck a dude named jock you kidding? what about <laughs> i'm not kidding <laughs> what about jock uh, uh, yes, I would fuck a Jacques. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm kind of interested. I don't know if this is a, a a totally appropriate question to compare the two, but um, we're speaking a lot about challenges, and I'm curious to know <laughs> what you've struggled more with in your life. Is it um, uh, the process of coming out and being a gay man, or is it is it your illness and dealing with colitis? Um, that's very interesting because they're 
one's so physical, one's so mental. Obviously, the physical of the colitis ties in with the mental. Um, yeah, I guess we should kind of dive into that. So around the time when I do you want to? Well, do before that we do, because sure. we didn't really actually dive into you coming out. Like when yeah. when did that happen? Oh yeah, so so I finished my uh, relationship towards the end, mm-hmm. um, and uh, my boyfriend at the time like <clears throat> comes out completely, and I had this feeling where I was like, I guess I should too now. Anyways, we ended up like pretty much breaking up around that time. My sister comes to my house and says, uh, I heard a rumor that Paulo is his name. I heard a rumor that Paulo's gay. And I said, oh, um, yeah, it's true. <laughs> what? Oh, so your, she, sis- yeah. your sister didn't know either. She didn't know. And she said, she's like, I heard a rumor that he's gay. And she's like, is it true? I go, yeah. She goes, oh my God, how do you know? And I just said, cause I've been dating him for like four years. <laughs> and she was just like, she thought I was kidding. And then she was like, oh my God, oh my God. And then she just started bawling. Wow. Oh, really? So wow. there was yeah. no, there was no wow. part of her that was just like, okay, finally you told me. Bawling? She said she didn't know, but she caught us wrestling one time. It was very like we were like basically making out, and she caught us. Like she a told movie me scene. she like she's like I don't remember that at all. I think she just like blocked it out. Or like crying oh. as in sad, or crying as in like oh my god, I'm so happy for you, or or I think she overwhelmed. She was sad that I that I had to have the relationship in the closet because uh, when you're gay, okay. like you. You miss your adolescence. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have like, in my experience, you didn't get to have a prom date. Yeah, you don't so, get to so have it wasn't an unsupportive cry. No, no, it was okay. very much okay. like, I'm so sorry that you had to okay. go through this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I feel like I would in that scenario. I would if someone came out to me that was like super close to me. Like after that, I mean, your teens are obviously your adolescence is like a challenging time in your life. So obviously, that would have been a great time to be able to be there for them if they're going through that fucking hard time with this Ooh. huge burden that they're carrying which is like not telling people who they are in a way Mm. and i would i would just feel like fuck i'm i wasn't there Mm -hmm. i guess or i couldn't be there Mm -hmm. as as fully as i could have been if i had known Mm -hmm. that's i feel like that would be something that would come up for me if i was way to make this all about yourself yeah so it's my time now (laughs) my time so your, your sister has this overwhelming response um do you do you feel the need and how old are you at this time uh, 23, 24. I can't remember the exact. Okay. Time. Okay. So do you, do you feel the need to come out to your parents at this time? So my sister goes home is crying. This is what she tells me. I don't know if this is true. She goes home. She's crying. My mom looks at her and goes, Jordan's gay, isn't he? Whoa. So no. your mom yeah. was totally yeah. like, that's so crazy. And then they were like, and then, yeah. And so they were just did that. And then I, my other sister is actually a lesbian. Uh, I called her, uh, just on the phone because it was kind of like everyone knew, and I did. I, she was really far away, so I couldn't like tell her. And I told her that way. And was uh, she was she uh, out already? No, she was still like closeted, okay. and she didn't take that moment to say anything. Um, and then my mom wrote me an email, and it was like three pages long, and it, like couldn't have been more supportive. Like a lot right. of parents, they'll accept their kid, but like with conditions. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, right. oh, my son's no, gay. No fucking dudes in my in our house or like just don't tell the family at christmas right, right or like right. just with conditions and my mom's always been like i'm no different we just, say, we, like, we've kind of faced that with the polyamory thing like it, it it wasn't so much don't tell people but it was like we my parents were very like very much like well what do we say to people just like, don't we're, we're afraid of record what people, it and put it on like a public platform where like <laughs> yeah, yeah. like what i was and that's what i said there she was like what do we like what are we supposed to say to people and like what if people ask i was like if people fucking ask tell them to tune in like tell them to fucking listen to our podcast but which you know that's a very unique situation and and that's very, and and when my parents gave me that reaction i was just like uh whatever but again if you if you 
I feel like it's, it would be so like, I couldn't imagine how that would have felt if my parents said, please don't tell anyone, you know, like that's, that's, I have, so f- so I have extreme. friends, one, one of my friend's dad said to him, I wish you had cancer cause we could treat it. Oh, whoa. whoa. And Dude, the, the amount of scars that that would like etch in your soul. <laughs> I can't even I don't imagine. Even. Cause I haven't had that burden where like some people are their parents. It's, and that still exists quite a great deal. My parents couldn't have been cooler. Dude, that's the moment you walk away. That's the moment you go. Yeah, but we're no we're no longer like family it, ties are cut. Yeah, but, but there's I other mean, factors like you might live with them. You might be financially yeah, dependent. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And like I mean, yeah. your fi- family dynamic, like yeah. how you feel, like how close you are to your family. Yeah. Fuck, man, that would be that would be <laughs> fucking crazy. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Okay, so so your and are your are your what, what's the deal with like your your mother and your father are they together or because I remember you were saying that your parents went through a divorce and you you said this uh, either in your application or before we started recording but your parents went through a divorce and it was kind of a struggle for you it brought up a lot of like issues in terms of yeah my parents had a really really rough divorce um, a lot of like financial improprieties and um, just it was a really it was a bloodbath. Um, mm-hmm. My sisters and my mom, and I have two sisters, uh, myself and my mom, uh, kind of banded together in that um, and, and dealt with it. I have a really resilient personality, so I was able to kind of push through it and support a lot of people in it. But what happened for me is uh, once I broke up with my boyfriend, it was around the same time my parents divorced, I started dating. And my dad was very absent. Like my dad basically just peaced out after the divorce. And you seek out the characteristics of your primary caretaker. So specifically to me, and even my dad said it to me when he knew I was gay. He, was, he said to me, um, it's going to be really difficult for you in dating. And I was like, Pff. Uh And then I started dating and my friends are like, you're a mess. <laughs> because I just, I, I thought I was fine. But the way I would treat men or the types of men I would seek out hmm. was terrible and then you think men are bad and then you seek out the bad men so everything that you think is validated right. you go, oh, all men are bad but you selected the guy with the boyfriend or mm. the guy who's closeted or right. you know the emotionally mm-hmm. unavailable types so that was kind of how i dated and for for a good five years after that it was just a nightmare like that, my dating life is that subconscious because i wonder about that and i and i've had friends in my life guys and girls that 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 do that and i've always wondered like is that a subconscious decision to 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 be constantly with these people that are poisonous. Yeah. It's a self-esteem thing. Um, I wrote a second article. I, I, uh, dated someone that I met last year for a little bit. I actually wrote, that was my second article was about this relationship, what it's like to love as a gay man. And mm. where can people find your, your articles? Oh, how can you post? Okay. Yeah. Sweet. I just write sporadically. It's not like a okay, career cool. choice. Um, <laughs> so I met someone, uh, at a party and again that sort of like fluorescent connection with someone that's just really rare mm-hmm. it's the second time it's only happened to me and he ended up uh being like a closeted guy uh in his late 30s and what was really interesting about that relationship is whenever people damage gay men i always say to them like okay but now we have i have to go date those people like Ooh. and that's why i'm so sen- sensitive to it because i deserved love my friends deserve love and when you mess up these gay men and then we have to go date them mm. it's like we're picking up the carnage and what do you mean by messing up uh, just, just all the psychological effects. Like the, of, like the, like, 
Like the accumulation of... Like the crowd laughing in the Air Canada Center. Right, like all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the religious stuff, the going on YouTube and right. reading the comments and just depressing you. <clears throat> okay. Um, and it just manifests itself in so many ways. And so I dated this guy and, and we were pretty perfect together, but he was closeted. And at the end of the day, I just realized that it doesn't matter how much you love someone who hates themselves, the that, that part will always win out. Um, and so that was a really traumatic experience in itself. I and that's ne- specific only to gay men, right? Or closeted. Yeah. I've never really thought about that in the, in the, in that way of, you know, imagining if everybody who is in my, uh, like pool of people that I'm attracted to has most likely gone through some type of like psychological and emotional damage as a result of their, dating you? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> dating me. Like, like <laughs> just like a terrible, like I just break people down. Yeah, it's, it's these, these marginalized groups that are like gay, gay people are in a marginalized group that is for, is by, um, the process of design d- date within that same pool of people. If you're, if you're a, uh, black woman, you're not necessarily uh, limited to only dating, uh, other black people. Right. But gay people, just because of who they're attracted to, are stuck to dating. And your friends people. are also the people you date, which right. can get really messy. Right. Um, so that's like a personal policy of mine. Like, I will never fool around with someone who's a friend. Um, are we friends now? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's get to that, too. Damn. Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy wants to keep this strictly professional, but then strictly unprofessional. Can I just... As per I just want to forget this. That guy you guys had on... I was laughing. This is like really laughing. I know who you're that crazy about. sexologist is he? Oh yeah, oh. James James Cantor. I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Of a different so when person. you're yeah. telling him, asking him what you are, <laughs> yeah. You're so like, so for listeners who don't know this, yeah, a, a little further back into it was actually one of our trips to Toronto, which we are right now. I'll fetch um, the episode number. Uh, yeah, find the number. But it was it was actually like a midweek where we we spoke to James Cantor, who's a uh, sex psychologist. Um, he he primarily focuses in on. Uh, paraphilias um but he is a gay male he's very w- well versed in in sexuality and and gender and uh we kind of and i was kind of like feeling like uh i don't know like i maybe i'm a little bit kind of gay a little gay which i when i say that now i say it and i go that's not the way to say it you know i'm not a little gay I'm just a little curious about yeah, exploring yeah. with other people. I'm a little bit more fluid, if anything, right? Like, that's the way I should have been wording it back then, but I didn't have the vocabulary then. I was just kind of confused and being like, James, Dr. James, and he had how no, gay am I? And his response was insane because you were like, this is what I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to like, uh, you were saying like, I don't know, kiss a guy, but like not do other stuff. And you're telling him, oh, and he was he like, well, um, yeah. some guys fantasize about having female parts. And yeah. you were like. I'm not that. Yeah. And he kept, he kept doing other examples. And I was like, yeah. he's not getting it. No, like, he won't. I think he was trying to come from it uh, from a very paraphilia based. Yeah. So yeah. like abnormal sexual um, uh, paraphilias or things that just like aren't qu- that aren't quite well recognized or or a little bit sort of uh, off the beaten path. And uh, but yeah, he's. I don't, Dude, I don't he's, think a, hey, he's a fucking uh, he's a he's a he's a babe. <clears throat> so really? he's, he's a he's a pretty fucking handsome like dude for a fifty uh, like fifty year old. Yeah, the guy's dude, well guy put together. Do, guy doesn't look fifty, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. Um, that was episode. Well, the full episode that we did with him was episode thirty nine. Yeah. Uh, which was a crazy, crazy, fascinating episode. It was called the Science of Pedophilia. Yeah. Uh, and then. Um, 
Uh, and then the, the directly after that, there was a routine checkup episode yeah. uh, with Jeremy, which was a short one. And then uh, on Termion, you guys also. Yeah, we talked to him, him on Termion as well. And we talked to him about uh, a whole bunch of stuff. It was really great. Oh, check it out. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Um. Okay. So. So. Uh, my question. Oh, you had one. <laughs> no, the one that I asked earlier that we didn't that we. Just well, I was actually just going to ask, are you a power bottom? <laughs> or... well, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Everyone says that. <laughs> I actually, to the, people say it all the time, like not necessarily about me, dude. Uh, but people will say Ooh. that. And I'm like, what does that mean? I think does that mean that you just, you just, does that mean that like, doesn't that just mean you're like really good at sex? You're just, yeah, no but idea. you only bottom and you love it. Oh, you only bottom, but you're like doing the work kind of thing. Yeah, but I guess all, but you're like, like you're just maybe you're on top. It, or? You're never gonna never not be the bottom. I, 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 let's look it up, <laughs> dude. Like, that was the worst explanation. You're <laughs> no, never no, no, not no. gonna never not. Stop. I think you're you that's that what you'll it says on Urban that. Dictionary. You're never gonna not never ever be the bottom. <laughs> the bottom takes it. Here, one second, uh, dude. Yeah, second. the bottom takes it. Yeah, okay. let's do let's do this here right here. So power Exclu- bottom exclusively. Google search what is a power bottom. I found quite a number of movies. Hold on, just hold on, Jesus. Google search what is a power bottom. What can I help you find? Daddy? Dude, don't ask Siri. Just use Why your you fingers. Just type it. What is a power Google bottom? what is a power bottom? I didn't, I find, didn't any. find anything on the web for what is the He just he, he wants he God wants damn it. He wants Siri to say something. I should call a bunch of my friends and be like, "Well, anyways, uh, here, let me look at it." Yeah, up. can what I call a friend? A, is this I, like can I yeah, use one of my Wi-Fi? I got it. <clears> bottom. I got it right here. Are we playing who wants to be a millionaire? Jesus there we Christ. go. Uh, okay, gay or sexual slang. There are different uses for the term. For some, a power bottom is a bottom who can power through and bottom a lot for a long duration. Uh, yeah, for but, others, yeah, it yeah. means a bottom who takes charge of sexual situation, playing more of a dominant, aggressive, and commanding role in sex. That's how I heard it. I was hearing it as like you're just you're Great gonna sex. take it f- long and hard and forever. Well, because I mean, like, the, you know, if you were thinking about, you know, no matter what the sexual relationship is, who, like heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, bottom is usually referred to as like the taking. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, you could very well, you know, dish it out from the bottom as well. Yeah. Well, okay. okay so it. it was kind I, of I a, got ju- a good, I got a good definition of what it is. Last, I think, last I, think I just, I oh, think I just defined he it. Used, he used bottom a lot in that definition. Yeah, he did use the word to define the word. Well, Wikipedia is just uh, articles that are created by people who just write about them, and it's not really totally a great source. Of this is scientific. So, this is scientific from yeah. UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> great. Uh, a gay male term, dominant bottom. While a bottom is usually submissive to his partner, a power bottom enjoys maintaining control over the top and or the penetration, the normally dominant role in gay male sex. Power bottoms supposedly have skilled tongues. They give the best blowjobs, fellatio, and 
rim jobs, anal lingus. I was oh. with you for the first half. The second half, I think that's a bit subjective. Yeah, yeah that's I a agree. lot of attribution. I agree. Like one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of a joke in me asking you that, but not really, because I know that you have colitis. Yeah. And I'm curious to know... Um, what like what's the what is the world of anal sex like when you so you know the, we've we've actually only really talked to people with colitis who are either straight males or straight females right and, and no and one a was lot of, particularly interested in butt play yeah exactly not like yeah and it just wasn't something that really came up and so but for you you're in this very unique situation where it did come up once it's if you are into uh, butt play as a lot of gay men are, is that something that has like affected your sex life in living with colitis or do you just not really let people go there? Um, so when I first got diagnosed with colitis, uh, I had it, I think it's called distal colon. So it was like 13 inches up. So when they told me, I was like, Pfft. you're like, well, unless I'm <laughs> fucking, yeah, I, big diesel. I mean, there's probably someone who can get there, but, um, <laughs> so it wasn't a problem for me, but now that it's spread, uh, cause I, cause it usually just progresses the disease. Um, I'm actually in remission right now, but it had spread for, for a while. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was super weird. I mean, I shit my pants way too much. Like, and right. so obviously like my friends think it's so funny cause I texted my one friend the other day. I think I messaged you guys. This. I was like, it's been zero days since I've like shit myself. <laughs> it was literally the text I sent. <laughs> you have like a, you have like a, like a thing that in your apartment yeah, that like has like those the numbers that you like flip the numbers over. It's like, yeah. it's been one day. It's been zero Yeah. So days. I have like kind of that, like a uh, little bit of uncontrollable bowel kind of, kind of thing. So you can like right. shit yourself. So obviously that's a concern. Um, the bigger concern for that sort of activity is um, I'm really prone to fissures. So fissures are, I don't know if anybody's listening has ever had one, but it's basically like a tear in your anal canal. Mm. It's extremely painful. Yeah, that sounds hurts like it. Even just hearing it. Yeah, it's basically like shitting glass. Oh, I would oh describe fuck. It. And it's like really a lot of blood and it's, yeah. Holy shit. So that when you have those you is it can't. just because your 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 like the anal canal is like is like thin and thin and, and very like um i guess like cuz the turnover of the cells it's very like right. damaged i sure, guess sure, sure. Inflammation. So it's just like fragile fragile yeah so so that's the bigger concern is when you have fissures oh, and they and they basically tell you like no you can't have anal cells and that's because like a, like if you got bacteria like if you had a fissure and like a bacteria got into or just it, like or pure just, pain like or just pain imagine okay. like a cut in your like it's really sensitive in that area, and if you like ripped it, like, ugh, really, ugh, like ugh. it would be really bad. I actually had a, a surgery, a fissure surgery. Um, so I got a fissure. Um, it, it was chronic, so it didn't heal. And they have to do a surgery, and the surgery is called like sphincterectomy, I think. And they, sounds, they, sounds about right. It's yeah, a great name. It's literally they <clears throat> slice your muscle fibers in your anus to loosen up your anus oh jesus so that you can get blood in there to heal it oh <laughs> my god and the doctor said to me when you have your first bowel movement it's like, gonna bite be down on something the worst because oh. he was like it's Fuck. gonna be like really intense oh. so he told me to go get raisin bran to be like really loose i guess and i finished the procedure i was still on anesthetic Left with my friend, she drove me, and I was like, "Let's go get some like raisin bran from the grocery store." Twelve boxes of raisin and, bran, but I'm like still fucked up from the drugs. Yeah. And they tell you go home and sleep, which is not like they don't tell you that for fun. So I go to pay, <laughs> yeah. and I just go. Uh, apparently, all I said was like, "Uh oh," and I blacked out because of the because the blood flow the blood can't get to, uh, blood flow can't get to your brain. Yeah, 
because of the anesthetic. So I passed out and I woke up and there was like ambulances and people around me. And my friend was like, oh, I'm man. pretty sure I thought you were dead because your head just smashed right off the concrete. Oh, oh. Man. Uh, and anyways, I went to the hospital. I had a concussion. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like a really bad experience. But I've also had like eight colonoscopies. Like I've had when you first get colitis, it's very strange because you'll just go to the washroom for like two hours. And mm-hmm. just I know you guys have talked to people, but like the blood loss and the weight loss is insane. Insane. Like I was 130 pounds right now. I'm like 170. Well, so that's it was crazy. like a really, uh, yeah. So to, to kind of hark back to your question, pounds, wow. um, it hasn't been a huge problem for me, but I'm also very, like my illness is, I'm meticulous with my illness. Right. Like my eating's meticulous. My exercise is meticulous. So you don't, you don't, you don't, over you don't fuck in the ass. You don't fuck in the ass. No, I do. I do. You do yeah, fuck yeah, in the I ass. Do, yeah, Even yeah. with the with the Fisher dangers. When I don't have the Fisher, I do. Okay, but oh, when oh. you're dating someone and you're like, oh, we know none of that for like a month or two, and the person only tops. Yeah, that's hard. It's friction on your relationship because yeah. it's like if you guys were dating a girl and she's like, oh, my vagina shut down for a yeah. couple months, you'd be like, well, you want to be cool about it, but you're the like, the great thing about dating a girl is like when the vagina shuts down, it, it, depending on depending on the oh, person yeah. you're with, they're like, but you can put it in my butt, and it's like, <laughs> okay, you okay. Know, like the, with with you guys, it's not quite as easy. Your options, <laughs> hey, your options are the most. That yeah yeah I was seeing I was Fuck, uh, that's crazy I, I I was I saw this thing I can't remember where it was it was like this little mini doc that some someone I feel like it was on your mom's house group I don't know if it was it was a woman who like was born with like a, a a vaginal cavity to nowhere it just like ends so she can't have sex and she's with a dude and it was like this whole thing about like you know how's your relationship where you're in a relationship where like you can't have sex like period. Ever. Well, there's some there's some <clears throat> Crohn's patients that are female that they get fistulas from like their anal cavity to their yeah. vagina, right? And they actually can get feces coming out of their vagina. Yeah, Whoa, yeah. It's really, really? Yeah. yeah. I know someone well, who had that because, like, n- not because of uh, uh, Crohn's or colitis or whatever, but it just I don't know what it what it happened from, but they got really really sick. Yeah, yeah. It's really horrible. Um, okay, fun. Jesus, yeah, this we're getting into some uh, real fun, uh, tasty subject matter. You, you know? don't have to use the word tasty. No, I don't think so. <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. What else do you want to know? <laughs> I'm just curious. Is there is there anything that the three of us have said yet that, <clears throat> that would be like kind of offensive to? That's an interesting question. No, but it's no, but you guys are actually like. Uh, I never really had a lot of straight male friends. My business partner is a straight male, and he's like one of my best friends. He was kind of one of my only first straight male friends, but it's because of the straight males that I grew up with and encountered were those like bro-ish types. Um, whereas you guys are, I, I don't feel like you're very li- liberal and stuff. Yeah, totally. Even bros, if you did say something, I know liberal. it was. Yeah, and I know it wasn't from a bad place. But like, even when I got this tattoo, like I was telling my friends, it was such a powerful moment because I'm getting this Harvey Milk tattoo, and. It's like an it's like the assassination date with an equality symbol, and I'm getting it. And the guy in the tattoo place calls his friend a faggot, like mid, in the Ooh. middle of the like tattoo. And I was just like, "Oh, this is so like powerful. said it like said, you, like said faggot as in like the way that like junior high students ten years ago yeah, say. And it, he's like, like thirty five, so right? Kind of like and there's yeah. a, you didn't uh, you didn't call him out. No, I, but the tattoo artist who knew what the tattoo was looked at me kind of like 
and then yeah. just continued like working. Ah, uh, but it's just like, yeah, these mo- we talk about these moments. I could name probably a thousand moments of this. Like, like I can't even go on a YouTube video about gay stuff and read the comments. Like, I yeah. just can't. Oh, dude, don't ever read the comments or section like Facebook. of anything ever. Like, but, like it, it really it's where the dregs of society gather and like they all decide to show up there. It's, yeah, it's the worst place on yeah. earth for humanity. I think the like, pe- I think people are comfortable writing stuff like that on the internet because they're so uncomfortable with themselves as human beings deep down inside that they feel like it's the only place to to put that out there. Oh, and, and also they're like anonymous. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. they're going, I can yeah. say whatever the fuck yeah. I want and it won't come back to me. The internet has definitely yeah. spawned like an, an, like an anonymity yeah. uh, strength that people hide behind big time. Like, this is such a... Uh, an awesome conversation to have, and especially in terms of like the stigma, like socially, because I always, and because like, I, I, this is something that we've talked about on the show a lot before, which is like the bubble that you live in. Like we live in a bubble of our social circle where like there's never been an issue thinking anything negatively about gay people, whatever, trans people, anything. Like mm-hmm. it's all just like open. Human let's talk about human, it. Humans, humans. Yeah. And so when you live in that bubble for long enough, you start to think that that's how the whole world works. And like me thinking, oh, like, man, everything's so progressive these days and da, 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 which like to a degree there is that progression. But then going back and speaking to people that are in that and in live that stigma on a day to day basis and realize like how much shit there actually is that is still to be overcome and the amount of people that are still out there that, you know, feel a certain way or feel uncomfortable. Like, cause it's not even, I mean, even on the low end of people, that, you know, aren't going, aren't like, oh, you're gay, but are just like in some way, like they won't, they might not even be able to like vocalize how they feel, but there's something that makes them feel like weird about it. You know yeah, like, yeah. I, I, and I still have that paranoia <clears throat> because it's like you're primed for rejection mm-hmm. because you're used to it when you're younger. So when someone looks at you a certain way or acts a certain way, you think that it's because you're gay or you'll meet a girl's boyfriend who's like one of those bro types that I kind of explained and you're like, Oh, is he going to be weird to me? If he finds out I'm gay, is he going to like act a certain way? There's so many moments where you might not even see moments that are there. Like you might not even, they're not even real kind of thing, but you're, you're kind of imagining them. Um, yeah. And and the other thing is, is like when I wrote that article, so many people, like even my friend's dad were like, are you okay? Uh, when I wrote, when I wrote about it, because it is kind of a, a sad article, um, but I'm like the happiest I've ever been in my life and I'm in a great place and I have a lot of incredible people around me, family acceptance, mm-hmm. you know, career success, stuff like that. But I don't want to be one of those people that just pretends everything's okay. And I also feel like I have a duty to why I reported that doctor because I could have just let it slide, but I don't want some 20 year old guy with shaky confidence who's not out and doesn't know who he is to have to put up with that. And it is my duty as an older gay man. I'm not older. I'm like 31, but older gay man to, to say like, but in the gay community, you're like, old oh, as I'm fuck. like, old. people are like, you're gross. <laughs> you're like, Ugh, God, my friends are like, you're fucking, retired. Get yeah, out. It's like yeah. dinosaur walking down the street. Yeah. Dude, speaking of the Toronto gay community, um, I'm really curious about, we had, did you listen to the HIV episode? Yeah. That yeah. That was a great one. Um, I was really surprised about how um, the gay community specifically here was kind of portrayed as as like this as being so op- like this certain scene, I guess. I'm not sure. Was it the it wasn't the gay community? It was, yeah, a, it was, it was a very specific like a subculture, like of, subculture the gay of. But yeah. it, it seemed like the way that Ricky was 
painting it, and maybe we don't leave, leave this in the episode or not, but uh, it seemed like the way that he was portraying it, there's this really openness specifically here in the barebacking community. Have you ever, like, kind of seen or been inside of, of that um, So I was saying to someone, I used to have a lot of judgment around people that were HIV positive. Um, I think it's kind of ingrained in you when you're a kid. You're like, oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I was very irresponsible. Not very. Uh, I was irresponsible because there's just something like when you're dating someone for two months, you just assume like, oh, we're fine. Yeah. You can never really trust anyone. <clears throat> then by the time I was hit 25, I was like the opposite where I was ex- anxiety ridden. Like paranoid and like about it. Condoms only. Never, never have experiences like that. Uh, and the only difference separating me between someone who's HIV positive and like I'm negative uh, is that there's luck. Um, and so I've learned to like not pass judgment on a lot in that way. Um, cause you feel like you could, you could, very, it could have been me. It takes one time. Positive, yeah. Um, and I actually had a guy who asked me on a date and he said it was HIV positive. This was like three years ago and I didn't know anything. And he was like, but I'm undetectable. And I was like, what is that? Like I didn't right. know. Um, and most people don't know that if someone's undetectable on HIV status, they pretty much cannot pass it to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like even without, Protection, they pretty much can't. Yeah, they, there's studies that have been done. There was like 57,000 incidents of sex between one partner was HIV positive, one wasn't, and uh, no condoms, and no one passed it. Right. So, like, not obviously not promoting that it's you not, shouldn't. It's but. not impossible, but it's very low, low, low risk. Extremely if you low. are undetectable, it's it's super low risk that you will be able to try Which many that. people with HIV, if they're on antivirals like they should be, they can be undetectable. They, right? could, they can yeah, they be can in that be. situation. Most yeah. are. Which most, most are. are. Unless they yeah. have like a resistance to it. And actually, actually, I, I, I could be wrong and maybe you know, maybe you know, but I think if you are undetectable, uh, like technically undetectable, like fully proven undetectable, you, you are not actually technically required to divulge the information if you that you are, uh, if you use a condom. Yeah. That's right. You don't, you do not even have to legally divulge the fact right. that you are HIV positive if you are undetectable. Yeah. And it's interesting because you enter the community and no one really ever educates you on HIV. Mm -hmm. It's like this thing you learn about in health class and then you get in the community and all of a sudden you know someone or know someone else. Um, Now with there's like, you guys know what prep is? No. No. Oh, okay. Is that a Uh, school thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a school thing. There's this drug called PrEP, and um, it was an HIV treatment drug. They've now found out that it prevents you from contracting HIV up to 99.9%. Oh, shit. I saw something on Facebook, like, yesterday about that. Yeah, they just approved it on the... like the equivalent of, like, the pill for preventing pregnancy for... Oh, uh, right. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you would take it every day, and the idea would be you'd be up to 99.9% less likely to to contract it. So that's been a big technological advance in that Mm -hmm. community, especially uh, couples that are like, um, I think it's called serodiscordant. It's like when one partner is HIV positive, one's negative kind of, if one's undetectable, plus you're on prep, I mean, you're, yeah, it's pretty much close to impossible to Mm -hmm. to, uh, pass it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, it's a fear of mine and I usually like deal with that kind of stuff with humor. Um, Mm. so I did stand up like a while ago and I've had a lot of like HIV jokes but, you know, my friends were, like, laughing about it. And I said, this is my way of dealing with my own fears. Yeah. How was your um, stand-up experience? I did really well, actually. Sweet. Yeah. I, I kind of lost myself when I went up there. Like, I I didn't get nervous, but it's just it's just time goes really fast, and then it's yeah. over. Um, I did really well. I, yeah, it was sweet. <laughs> I'm, Dude, so, I'm so fascinated thing. by it. 
Yeah, it's, um, the, it's the it's the hardest thing I'll ever do. Yeah, by far. yeah, yeah. My like bad, it just, terrifies me. Man, you have to be uh, the <laughs> vulnerability to go up there and just be you in the audience terrifies oh, the fire. And you're just yeah. like waiting That's for laughs, and if they don't come, then you just feel this like moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, that would be gut wrenching. Did, did you ever bomb like really hard? I only did it twice, and I killed both times. But I did a really edgy set, like Ooh. like cancer jokes, HIV jokes. Like I just did a lot of like hardcore jokes because that's just how I deal with everything. Yeah. And actually, like I, my thing about humor is is really how I've dealt with like a lot of the trauma around being gay and stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember you guys had a guest on that was uh, I think it was like rape survivor, perhaps. And she was talking about how like she doesn't think rape jokes are funny. And right, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and my thing is, board. I think it has to be kind of across the board because when you try to take away some type of humor from someone um that's how people cope like mm-hmm. sometimes and there could be a rape survivor that that's they have to laugh it off so mm-hmm. when you work to kind of take away these oh those jokes are taboo um you take away that experience from someone mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. in the sense that like you like obviously personally your subjective nature is is fine whatever if you don't like that joke that's okay don't listen to that type of comedy but don't try to prevent that that genre that stream of comedy from existing existing. because because in that pool there's survivors that are yeah that's a really interesting take on that and that's a really like well thought out take on that because i have always felt like there should be nothing that's off limits for comedy and for humor because but i guess i've never and I think that how you said that is exactly how I feel, but I've never been able to like articulate to articulate that yeah. or even like put it together in my head, let alone then think, speak it out. Because when you get somebody who says like rape jokes aren't funny and in the moment you're going, especially when you're talking to somebody who has been through something traumatic like that, you just go, yeah, of course. I think yeah. it, I, th- I think the like the kind of devil's advocate um, role to that or position on that would be that if you're watching a comedy <clears throat> set and you're not expecting for that joke to come and that's something that bothers you, then it would be really hard to hear it in the moment. However, there's there's like the bit that is it Louis C.K. that does a bit where he's he tells a joke and then he kind of changes the premise about it and then tells it again in a different way. And he's like, yeah. you you guys were with me the last time. So mm-hmm. you can't back down. You thought this was funny like two seconds ago. So you mm-hmm. can't back out on this. One. Yeah. Just to just to kind of rein it back in, um, I'm I was just thinking about that situation you were talking about with the the two like blue collar potentially straight guys, but maybe not straight guys that were put up on the kiss cam, and everybody laughing, um, and and that really kind of like striking a chord with you. Um, what do you, what would like would you be able to put your finger on the one of the most challenging moments of your life in in dealing with some sort of stigma that was attached to uh, being a gay male? Oh, I don't know. There's so many. That's a hard one on the spot. Um, I mean, most of the time when I've done media, this will really depress you. Uh, most of the time when I've done media, I've done a lot of TV, radio, guest speaking and stuff like that. Most of the time I will get an email saying something against me for being gay. Uh, I used to write this column called Try Guy that was in the Toronto Sun. And sometimes I would write articles and um, people would write me like some of them would have like gay mentions and stuff like that. And like older guys would write me emails uh, just saying, I hope I never have a son like you or like if I had a son like you, I would like beat the shit out of them. Wow. Jesus Christ. Um, Don't have a kid. 
period. Yeah. yeah. And like, <laughs> I, even like, there's also silly ones. Like, I was on CTV last time, and then I got off, and a guy tweeted at me, What kind of business do you own? Fegs are us. And it was just like one of those things where I was like, Come on. Like, if it was funny, I'd be like, Good one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause that's like, like, Cause that's almost like one of those, that's almost can, like, a, like a dad that's joke. almost a joke. Like yeah. a dad you can joke. picture Childish. that guy sending that tweet going, <laughs> Yeah, yeah got him. Fags are but like, us, also, man. go to your computer. Like, how sad is your life? You like go to your computer. Like, I yeah. need to send this. Right, and now. I, I know exactly what else. The is. reason yeah. why yeah. I was laughing there is because it's so funny that somebody took the time to do. Yeah, to do because that. it's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah, it's a total dad. It's a total awful dad. Like awful in the way that it's awful dad joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's true. <laughs> what would you say out of your uh, Toys R Us went bankrupt last week? <laughs> they <laughs> just, did. Yeah. Just, just Whoa, did they? Yeah, they did. They went under. Oh, no. So that guy will be disappointed because Fags R Us is t- completely linked to His them. His joke and they're going, is dated. They're going yeah, <laughs> old AF. Um, what would you say your experience as um, living life as a gay male who happens to also have colitis, what would you say that that has taken away from you if anything well you guys always ask this question i should have had mm-hmm. it prepared uh it's taken away it took away my adolescence uh it mm. took away um when like when you start i i just won't always kind of like run people through this what it's really like like imagine growing up and never seeing yourself in cartoons uh this is just my childhood now it's like a bit better but imagine oh, never seeing yourself powerful. in cartoons Imagine never seeing yourself in music. Imagine never having a song written that you can relate to because it's a gay male singing about another gay male. Imagine not really seeing role models on TV that are like you. Um, you live life as a ghost. Uh, and and so, my, uh, so my adolescence is, in a way, um, we missed prom dates. Mm. We missed open relationships in high school. We we just lived in the darkness. And someone tweeted the other day, uh, being a gay man is going through adolescence in your 30s because you never had one. And that's what it's taken away to me is that element of my life. And obviously I can, I can you know, be sad about it. And But I can, you see a lot of gay men that live their life, they call it the Peter Pan syndrome, where it's like they're in your 30s, but they're acting like they're 18 again. Right. Mm. And... Uh, I empathize with them in a lot of ways. I, I don't think I'm that way, but I empathize with that experience because because you just lose it. You lose like just think of all the elements growing up where you were like they're all so like cycled around love and relationships and mm-hmm. and family dinners of bringing your partner and uh, talking with your friends about relationships. I had no one to talk about my experiences with uh, my boyfriend and I like to love someone and not be able to ever talk about that mm-hmm. with your friends and your family. I mean, I could have if I was out at the time, but I just missed like 20 years, 20 right. something years. Uh, and that's been the hardest thing. Um, and I, my friends think that's why I don't want to have kids mm-hmm. because just that experience of my life is just trauma. The nuance of it is like, like when you meant, when you like roll through that list of like cartoons and like music and like, like what lyrics and songs, like, I don't know. I just, I, I just never thought about, you know, all the little details where, where heterosexual relationships are reinforced in like so many areas of society. Mm-hmm. Everything. You yeah. go to get a couple's massage, they assume it's your girlfriend. Right. Mm-hmm. You, there's areas of the world you just really can't travel with your mm-hmm. partner. Um, it's just like a list, but I just think it's like, I, I don't think I have like a victimhood around it. Um, but I, 
now I'm just sort of like an angry advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, um, because well, I, I just want to change it. And I don't want to, I'm unapologetic now. Like I just, I'm like, mm. I'm going to fight for every person that can't fight for themselves because uh, of the position I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to make apologies for anyone. Fuck yeah. What would you say that uh, this entire experience has given you? Uh, empathy. Uh, my friends and I used to talk about when we were younger, when we really hated ourselves. And most gay guys, if you talk to them, will have a period in their life where they were either severely depressed or talked about taking their own life. Like the stats are really grim. If you look at like gay guys versus straight guys, it's like 10 times more likely to commit suicide, four times more likely anxiety, depression, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but my friends and I used to talk about when we really hated ourselves and we would wish there was a pill that we could take to not be gay anymore. Oh, fuck. And we used to all and all of us said we would have taken it when we were younger. And now yeah. that I'm older, everything I've gained, the empathy um, for people, the understanding, the advocacy um, that I've gained from that, I wouldn't trade it for a thing, mm-hmm. uh, even though it has been harder. But. I've also, there's a lot of great things to being gay. Um, there are entire like cultures when you travel that you can visit and be a part of. Yeah. You guys have your own crews, right? There's yeah. Like we have our own, yeah. Yeah. Own <laughs> I've never been on one. They look you, awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate I think that's just the cruises in general. Cruises are terrible. <laughs> one day every year where you get a parade. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the gay male friendships is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about survivors that really like, bind together and uh, or eat each other alive which is the other problem yeah but my friends and i like our relationships we have it's kind of like what you guys have mm. um we're just like ride or die like friends yeah um because we've been through like something together that's pretty mm-hmm. totally pretty neat dude this was really really sweet mm-hmm. i'm really glad that you took the time to reach out to us and and come in and and shoot the shit with us um i again i just wanted to throw this out there for anybody who's listening uh, you mentioned it earlier in the in the episode, but um, you you wrote this article. It's for the Huffington Post. You can go to HuffingtonPost.ca and just look up "To Be a Gay Man Is to Be a Chameleon." Uh, it's the article that you wrote, and uh, yeah, just so fucking glad you came in to have this chat. Thanks for having me. I, I Super eye opening and enlightening. Yeah, uh, and thank you all so much for coming in. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week with another episode, probably from Toronto, as we are. Um, And in the meantime, head on over to iTunes. uh, Leave us a rating and a review. And for sure, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. It means a lot to us. And uh, and tell five friends about this podcast. That would really help us, too. Yeah, that Uh, would super help. It's like the, you know, um, Kevin Spacey, pay it forward type deal. The whole thing. Yeah, that movie is uh, a great example of what you should be doing with our podcast. It could be like a pyramid scheme. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you ever want to get at us, you can hit us there or go to our website or info at info at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Uh, Yeah. If you want to contribute, uh, we're here in Toronto. We're here because of your support through Patreon um, and the amazing people that come out to our live shows. Uh, So contribute if you'd like. Do uh, it. Any any amount uh, per month that you'd like to uh, contribute, go to patreon.com slash sickboy. And um, if... uh, if it's if it hasn't aired already, um, our documentary will be on CBC on October fifteenth um, in Canada. And if it is already past the fifteenth, then you can go to cbc.ca and stream it online. Uh, this podcast would not be possible without support from you guys, and uh, the music wouldn't be possible without Take Part. You can check out Take Part at 
takepartinthis.bandcamp.com. And you can get their, you can download their album. You can download yeah. their album. And it's paid by, free. And you it's don't amazing. even have to pay them. Well, you can you put, put in the you money put that you want. Zero dollars. You can put zero dollars no, if you want. No, pay them. Pay them. You, you sure, a dollar. Yeah. At least well, pay a dollar yeah, for sure. If not more. Five dollars, whatever. But also the sound zero. design, sound design for this podcast episode was done by Donovan Morgan. That is it for this week. Until next week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. Don't do that. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.